Good morning, church. Hey, my question is, we start thinking about Romans this morning as, we, as we're working through Romans. We're just Romans 1 through 7 this morning. How big a deal are beginnings? I mean, like making a first impression on that. Are those big to you? Do, does that make a difference? Yeah. I thought so. So so as we start talking about this is the prologue, it seeks to establish two things. One, who Paul is and why he's talking to them, the Romans, but not just to them. As we listen to this and as we, we get into the beginning of Romans, and all, don't forget that this isn't just to the Romans. It's to a group of people who are listening, as it said, over their shoulders the great cloud of witnesses that were surrounded by the people that he, Paul wrote a letter to the Romans, but he wrote a letter to us through the Romans in the same way that God's love is always meant for you, but it's also on the way. It's meant to be shared, so it's not just stopped up underneath us. We don't, we don't come that he, we don't come to this brand new life that Christ creates for us to say, Lord, give me more life, but don't don't make it so I don't have to share it with anybody. So we, I just store it up all behind the dam of my own behaviors. That is not what he's talking about. So here it is. The first thing Paul's going to do is he's going to say who he is and what's the designing feature in there, and then why why the Romans or what's he what's he on about. So let's uh, let's get to the text. This is Romans 1, 1 through 7. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. But before we get to this, almost all the other letters that Paul writes, he writes, says, this is Paul and the others here, or he lists names. He does that not here. This is just Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent to preach his good news. Now, that's a fancy term in the Bible. That's the evangelism. That's the euangelion, the good news. But, but we emphasize good in some ways, but this is the truth about this word. It means news. It, doesn't, it, it is good news, but it doesn't mean good. It just means news or news from above or news. And so we call it the good news because we found out that it's good news, but it is news from God to preach the news from God or the good news. God promised this good news or this news or this communique long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news, this news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the Trinity in there? The Son of God raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God's Son. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord is an interesting term as we get into this. I also want to talk about Lord, that whenever you're reading in your Old Testament, one of the names for God, Yahweh, if you've been in my Tuesday night Bible study, you'll know this is the Y-H-W-H. It, it comes in an ancient Hebrew form without any vowels or anything. Nobody knows exactly how it's pronounced. 
Some say breathing marks, but Lord, whenever that name shows up in the Bible, you all the English translations, doesn't matter which one you use, always translates that with the all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, right? Not upper and lower case like all the other words, but that means Lord, okay? That means the head, the ruler of the universe. When he is Jesus Christ, our Lord, through Christ, God has given us the privilege. That's the royal or the or the inclusive us, that's him talking about that. It's not a royal, but it's, it's the inclusive multiple of us. The privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey and bring glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles of whom I have been called, who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to you all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his very own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Grace and peace. So let's first start off with this thing. Way back in the beginning, here's the description of Paul. It goes into this thing. Now the, the structure of this is kind of different. It starts off with Paul and ends with the Romans, right? And in the middle, it talks about a slave, but near the end, as we get there, it's going to talk about them being obedient. And so servants and slaves are obedient, and so called into obedience. And in the middle is Jesus and what he does. But first, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, now to get fully into this, I want to make sure that we know that Paul on his own, was a Judaizer. We've talked about this term. Um, often when Christians today think about Judaizers, they think about people that are out evangelizing and, and working to create new believers in, in Jesus Christ, and they're stumping for Jesus, if you will. But that is not what Judaizer meant. In, in Paul's day, in the first century, um, the overwhelming Jewish sort of uh, thought was is that the reason Messiah has left them in this condition, or the reason God has left them in this condition, and in some ways had 400 silent years without a prophet, was is that they hadn't been obedient enough, and, that, and then a, a new class of not evangelists but sort of hall monitor sort of showed up, and they called those Judaizers, right? And they would point the bony finger of indignation at people, and they would and they would try to whip Jews into shape, if you will. And so that was Paul. His job was trying to enforce obedience within the Jewish people. That's what he saw himself as doing, and he would do that with force if necessary. He would kill and drag people into chains or whatever, but that was Paul in his own thing. Now, he thought, as we, as we keep talking about Paul, Paul thought 
for sure that he was doing the right thing and he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. So I need you to know this, just like Peter, who always sticks his mouth in it, sticks his foot in his mouth or says the wrong thing at the wrong moment, Paul also was doing a lot of things that he thought were right that he ended up not being correct on and needing correction. And so that's why he went to the Damascus Road. It's why we talked about that in the last few weeks, is that Paul, now a slave to Jesus Christ, not to his own mind, but to that of Jesus. And what, do, what does it mean to be a slave? It means literally one particular thing, that he is the servant and he is not the Lord. His, uh, his decision process is um, submitted to, to what Jesus wants. By, by definition, a slave is not the Lord, and especially not an all-caps Lord. And, and to be a servant is to specifically know that you are not the Lord. And by the way, when you submit yourself to this Jesus, the technical biblical term for that is saints. That if you submit your life to the Lord, you stop being whatever um, nationality or whatever. I mean, not you don't stop being it, but, but this overwhelming new definition that God creates in you is called saint. So while I went to WSU years ago, I would say that I'm a cougar, but but if you ask me about that really specifically, I'm a Christian, I'm a saint who happens to be a cougar, who happens to be of a family from the eastern United States through many generations or whatever. But those things are, they weren't eradicated. It's just, I am a Christian, a saint first. And so this is what Paul is calling us into. This is a change from him. Remember that he's an enforcer and he was going about doing this stuff. Now God is going to transform that ministry of obedience that he was calling to, trying to be as a hall monitor. Rather, now he's going to do it this way. The biblical message of this oath, Evangelion of the evangelism then is starts everything in the Christian life, not just evangelism, starts with an obedient servant. And not just because God wants us obedient, but because the example that God is calling everybody to is to recognize his lordship in this and, and to move into a spot where they can um, represent Jesus. But what that means first is that you, like Jesus, obedient to the task of what God had for the rescue of souls, is this thing. So this is Paul, a servant. That's us as well, called first to be a servant. Then Paul is now saying apostle, and apostle is a is a technical term in some denominations, not in others. It just depends on which can of worms you want to open. Um, many say an apostle had to be around and see, in order to be an apostle, some denominations that is, say that you had to see the risen Lord 
personally and bodily. Okay, and then you were also a leader of that group. So that's the technical term. Now, apostle means sent one. That's different from disciple, which means submitted one. And so the very first thing, before you become a sent one, you become a submitted one, a disciple. And disciple is not, I want to make sure you know this, this is still, we're still on the thing of Paul here. Paul didn't just say, I believe in Jesus, and then stop and full stop, he was a believer and an apostle and all that. No, he was submitted to a long-term, ongoing process that God had him to. So even some people in the commentaries will say that Paul, having finished his ministry in Asia, now was looking for his next ministry assignment in Rome and was sending this note of introduction to tell them who he was, I disagree. Paul's mission was all people, specifically Gentiles, which is in the Jewish vernacular or the Jewish world, anybody, a Gentile or a pagan, all terms that mean non-Jew. So the Romans, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Russians, the Europeans, the Aztecs, pagan pagan, Gentile, non-Jew. That all means that same thing. So now he is called to be an apostle, sent to preach the news from God. Sent to preach the news from God. This is the pattern with which the Bible always does this. So the pattern here is that it says, it starts with an obedient servant. It announces the reign of the Lord and then that signals the rescue and then the redemption from bondage of God's people or the people that are called according to his purpose and, and all of that. So here's the, here's the example as it goes. Even in Exodus, you have Moses becomes an obedient servant. He goes to Pharaoh and announces that the Lord says, let his people go, which means that signals the release of bondage, and then he affects the re release of bondage. Now, that's the biblical example. In Haggai, Zerubbabel, now there's a, there's a name that we don't always talk about, but, but the people of God at the time of Haggai had been in bondage for quite some time, and they were starting to do this, and in Haggai they call Zerubbabel, which, um, depending on what it means, might mean... Um, child of Babylon, or I think it's actually probably a Hebrew thing where Jerubbaal, that was a name that was given to Gideon. Gideon, um, remember, fought against the Baals. That was the, the, the idols of his time. And so he was given this name Jerubbaal, and Zerubbabel is very close to that. So Jerubbaal means against the balls. That was his name. Gideon literally was renamed the anti-Baal, and Zerubbabel would have been the anti-one. And so when his name, God calls him his signet name, it announces the Lord's, Lord's the Lordship of God, and then signals the release from bondage, which then began to happen.
It's, it's pretty amazing if we think about this in this way. So then let's say, let's go to Matthew. Okay, so Matthew talks about an obedient servant right at the beginning, Jesus born obedient in a baby's form. Not, he didn't come as a king riding on a stallion. He came as a baby. That's an obedient servant. The announcement that the Lord was God was made through many people at that time, even angels. And then that was the beginning or the signal of the redemption of bondage, which the New Testament said. Now, remember, if we say this, that if we keep going back, that the release of people from a, a, a country that they're bondaged in is a big deal. And, and, and the Jews released from Babylon and then the subsequent kingdoms that had released them through Artaxerxes and Xerxes and all those, that's a big deal. But God was not after just the specific redemption of, of them from there to there. He was after the redemption of our bondage from death and sin. And in order to do that, Jesus was born. That's what Matthew essentially says, is that it follows that biblical pattern of an obedient servant that announces the reign of the Lord, which then signals the redemption from bondage that God is going to make happen. That, by the way, is exactly what Paul is doing here. So this good news from God, this news from God, has an obedient servant, right? Starts off with a slave of Christ Jesus. Sent. He then announces, what does he announce? This is the good news about God's son. In his earthly life, this son was born to King David's line, and he was shown to be the son of God and raised by the Holy Spirit from the dead. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord, through Jesus through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. The release from bondage. That's the gospel, the good news, the euangelion that Paul is talking about. So first off, it's not just any big thing. Paul doesn't just throw the slave thing in there. That's the foundation, the First thing he says, the most important foundation step to this statement, because the obedient servant, remember, Paul has changed. He's no longer talking about whipping people into chains. He's going to go into chains. It's completely different. He's been transformed. My apostleship is, is about the obedience first that then announces grace and peace to the Romans. So what do we do with this thing? And how do, we, how do we understand the transformation of Paul, who always brought strife, but now announces by the Spirit grace and peace? What does this mean for us as we listen to Romans over the shoulder of this thing. Well, first off, we go to the text which says, I am writing to you all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. You're included amongst the Gentiles 
everywhere that God has called to believe and obey, called into obedience, into the ministry of obedience. See, Paul had part of it right when he was Saul, but now he's got the rest of it. He's obedient, and then and by example of obedience rather than example of perfectness, which, by the way, doesn't ever work. It doesn't work to call people out when, when they can see that you're not submitted. So he submits, and as we listen in, this is the method that God always uses. So how do we know if we're on track? Well, first off, we're submitted. It's part of the big deal about being a servant in our church is that submitted is first and we all get submitted. Now, Paul was called to be an apostle. Dave is called to be a, a pastor or a preacher or a teacher of the word, if you will. I'm called to that. I'm also, there's some very specific ways that I'm called. Some of you may know this if you've ever asked me a question of faith, that part of my specific calling of God is to, is to put into new words an understanding of what God is doing or what the explanation of the gospel is. That's part of my call. Now, you might have that too, but you might have a specific call in order to be a teacher or an engineer or a forestry worker or whatever it is, you have a call that's beyond submission. You are called to submit. That's the moment where you meet Jesus and you go, you're Lord and I am not, and I will be your person and I want all of the things you have for me and I want and I don't want the things you don't have for me, but Lord, you are Lord of all and I will submit and and Whatever you put my hands to, that's what I'll do. But, but inside of you, there's these specific sort of little calls that are done. And some of that is to humility and service. And some of it's to leadership and service. But always, always, always tempered with obedience because of the servanthood or the slave to Jesus Christ. That is what... Paul is on about. Now he's he's talking to the Romans. Remember, who is Paul? Paul is a slave of obedience. He's an obedient person, and the message that's going to go out from him from an obedient service is that he's going to announce Jesus Christ. Well, that's what he does right here. He says he's an obedient servant who's called to do this thing, and then he tells about Jesus who's rescued them and now calls them into obedience. And then he's going to say, you're included. Do you know this about yourself? That you are included in the work. But God's methodology, which always starts with an obedient servant and, and the announcement or the example of, a, of the Lord who rescues from, from bondage. Remember that if we... I mean, if we just serve, but, but we don't do it out of a loving heart, then we're not talking about a Lord who does this out and rescues us out of a bondage. We're just, we're putting on piety as a bondage, but that is not what he's doing. He's going to create a relationship within us. This is the beginning or the prologue, the foundation 
of the book of Romans. This morning, are you submitted to this Lord? Are you still struggling with it? Have, have, have you settled once and for all that he is the king of the universe and that you're not? Are you still trying to do things your way? Or are you still getting upset at the things that bug you, but maybe don't bug him so much? Because we, we're called to announce the presence of the Lord and, and the redemption from bondage, we need to actually show that obedience in our own life. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, this morning, as, as, we, as we hear the beginning and the call to this redemption into our life, help us be submitted to you. Help us not go to the Bible to find places that agree with our opinion, but help us go and read the Bible and have our opinions corrected. Help us be submitted to your loving rule and benevolent love. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen.